and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to reintroduce to you now. Sarah Kleiner is a returning guest on our show. Be sure to check out her first appearance on our podcast on episode 110 of Boundless Body Radio. Sarah is the carnivore yogi. She is a certified yoga instructor in several yoga disciplines and is a mindfulness and meditation expert. After working a successful career in a Fortune 500 company, she chose a different path. Yoga became a way for Sarah to connect her physical presence to her mind, body, and soul, which has helped herself and her followers, including her own family. After finding disappointing results on a plant-based diet and seeking a better way, she discovered an animal-healthy carnivore diet in 2019 and hasn't looked back. She shares her journey on her website, her Instagram account, and her YouTube page at The Carnivore Yogi. She is also the host of the Carnivore Yogi podcast, which is consistently found in the top 100 nutrition podcasts on Apple. Sarah Kleiner, welcome back to Boundless Body Radio. Hey, Casey. Thank you so much for having me today. Always such an honor to talk to you. I always have a really great time and learn something new, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. My favorite people are people that I can talk to about food. (laughs) Um, My last client, (laughs) in fact, we just spend like the entire hour training and talking about all the amazing food dishes that we both cook. And you and I were reunited reunited by meatballs, of all things. (laughs) Yes. You make the best meatballs that I needed, the recipe, which I had forgotten, and I reached out and you were able to get that to me. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. And then I know you just recently tried my breakfast casserole as well. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. You make great food. Yeah. Just keep posting all your great recipes. I really appreciate that. Um, it's funny. The, the client I just mentioned that we were just working with, he knew that I had bought that uh, pork panko, which is oh, absolutely yeah. like game changer, total game changer for meatballs, by the way. <laughs> um, Definitely is. And he messaged me last night because he picked some up from the store and used it in a meatloaf that he did. And he texted me and said, Ah, dude, this was a total game changer. That was amazing. Yeah, the meatball, I usually, um, if I feel like having a meatloaf, I can just take that meatball recipe and just transition it right over to meatloaf and it cooks just fine in the oven, just like a meatloaf. It's awesome. Yeah, it's so good. The the pork panko gives it the texture, but also that really rich flavor. It's so good. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, I could spend the rest of the hour talking about meatballs and meatloafs and all that kind of thing. <laughs> um, it was funny going back and listening to our original episode that we did last year, you had recommended somebody... Um, and it kind of blew past me and we didn't end up reaching out to this person, but you had worked in the past with Dr. Rimka. Um, it was yeah. only, it was only later on in the year when we were, um, interviewing a day Fox that she mentioned Dr. Rimka and we reached out to her and oh my goodness, you were right. I wish I had listened to you way sooner. She's amazing. Yeah, she is a lot of fun too. I mean, she's someone that lives, you know, pretty much in my neighborhood and she is the one who introduced me to the carnivore diet and, uh, Yeah. I I love her. She's a great person. Yeah. She seems like such a badass and seems like she's always having fun. Make sure you tell her hi for us. (laughs) I will. That's awesome. Well, um, like I said, we've already done an episode with you, but can you, for the listeners, just remind us your amazing story through health? Um, I think it's a good idea to kind of review that and talk about your journey and how far you've come. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've kind of been on like a health journey for, I would say the last 14 years, ever since my daughter, was diagnosed with autism, it just made me stop and start questioning everything that I had been told about food, about medication, just about life in general, because it just didn't make any sense to me 
what had happened to her. And so that really got me started on my just journey of wanting to dive deeper into nutrition and health in general. Before that, I didn't really care as much. I just kind of was like, let me just figure out which diet is going to make me thin or help me lose weight, you know? But after that happened with my daughter, I started really being interested in finding food as medicine and, and natural ways to help us without using medications, because that was one of the things that doctors wanted me to put her on was medications. And I just never, it just never felt right for me to do that for her. Um, so I started off kind of thinking vegan (laughs) was going to be the healthiest thing. And I went vegan. Um, luckily I did not ever make her go vegan. I actually was following people that were telling me I needed to be giving her grass fed beef. And so it's pretty interesting. She, I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but she does has never had to have braces. Her teeth came in perfectly. And ever since she was, you know, diagnosed, I was making her these grass-fed beef burgers fried in um, coconut oil, which I know some people are not a big fan of coconut oil, but I think that the healthy fat is good. And, you know, just after studying Weston A. Price and, and that work, it it's pretty cool because my husband and I both had pretty severe braces, lots of dental work done. And she's never had any issues with her teeth and her jaw is just beautiful and wide and her teeth are straight. So even though I made the mistake of going vegan, I never forced her to do it. Thank goodness. Um, but I, I was eventually transit thinking I was going to transition her to it. Um, but luckily my health kind of went down the drain after two and a half years of really strict veganism. I just was, I'd get a lot of injuries. I'd get cavities, which I didn't understand, like why I was getting cavities for the first time in my life. Um, injuries as a yoga teacher that just wouldn't heal. I became a yoga teacher as well. Um, and that's part of the other reason I went vegan was because I thought, well, this is part of the deal of being a yoga teacher, you know, of like, you've got to do the vegan thing. And, uh, it was actually one of my yoga teachers again, about two and a half years in and he kind of took me to the side and was like, look, you know, I see what you're trying to do here. Just like the non-harming, the non-violence to animals thing, but you don't look good. Um, you're always injured. You're always getting sick. I really feel strongly that you need to eat some animal protein. And I was almost just kind of relieved hearing that because, um, I just was kind of at the end of my rope, you know, and I, I was at that place where I was kind of so indoctrinated with the yoga vegan stuff that just getting a teacher that I really respected was, he had been teaching 20 plus years and, um, you know, I really respected his opinion and I was like, okay, (laughs) you know? And so I started off with just eating egg whites, which is not the best thing. Um, eventually went to chicken and then, you know, I started eating just whole eggs, which, and I started feeling better just with those things, not even, even adding a lot of red meat. Um, but as the years went on, you know, I started eating more bison. I always would stick to really lean meats if I was going to eat any red meat. And I followed more of like a paleo style approach. I was really inspired by Dr. Terry Walls um, and her story of putting her MS in remission. And so what I was trying to do with my diet and my daughter's diet, my family's diet was do a ton of plants and just a little bit of meat, you know? Um, And that ended up not working so well for me. So in the end of 2018, I was at that point again, where I couldn't practice yoga. I was just constantly injured. Um, 
I was having a lot of skin issues, a lot of joint issues, a lot of gut issues, just constantly bloated and constipated and just felt terrible. Um, and so that's when Dr. Remka, she's like, instead of me doing a bunch of blood work on you, why don't you just try carnivore? I've been doing it five months. I feel amazing. I think it would get rid of a lot of the issues that you're having. And of course I thought she was crazy at first, but it's Dr. Remka. So it's like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of what she says, you're like, what? And then like, you think about it and you're like, well, okay, maybe. Um, so that was how it was. And so I just started it in the beginning of 2019 and within two to three weeks, literally like all my complaints, I had none. (laughs) I was like, um, my joint pain's gone. My stomach is better. Like I'm not having to sleep on the couch. Like I'm not getting bloated all this. I mean, it was like crazy. And so what was supposed to just be like a 30 day thing ended up me continuing on. Um, Mm. and the mental health benefit was the big thing too, because I've always kind of struggled with depression and anxiety. And so, that was the thing, the the huge kicker that was like, I have to keep doing this because I had never felt so like mentally clear and happy. I don't know if I talked about that on the last podcast, but that was one of the things that was like, all right, I got to keep going with this because I just feel really good mentally, you yeah. know? Yeah. That yeah. is so interesting. The joint pain, I hear a lot about the the gut issues. I hear a lot about um, depression, anxiety. I definitely hear a lot about, but, but ubiquitously across the board with myself, hearing your story, hearing other people's stories, coaching people through this process over the years, the mental clarity piece is still just one of the, the most surprising, but strongest things I hear that, that yeah. just again, spirituality, gratitude, ability to deal with stress, all of that stuff is just up leveled to this, again, this level that like you've never been to before. It's really quite amazing. Absolutely. It really is. Wow. That's awesome. And it's interesting to hear about your journey. And we talked a little bit about this last time. Um, you know, you post a lot of before and after pictures and you've done trips around the sun as completely different people (laughs) over the years, you know, the (laughs) the, the vegan years and that, you know, you've lost a hundred pounds, three separate times. And just seeing all these different iterations of you over the years, you really get a sense of how much diet affects how, how you experience life. Yeah. It, it's crazy. My husband's like, I feel like I've been married to like 10 different people. <laughs> I'm like, well, you're never going to get bored. Are you? There you go. Exactly. Oh, that's yeah. great. Uh, speaking of before and after pictures, we've been seeing this last year, you post even the difference in just one year, which is really cool. Yeah. Like you've had a lot of improvements in just one year. Can you talk a little bit about what has been optimized for you? Yeah. You know, at the end of 2020, I was pretty frustrated. Um, just, because I had put on weight and I hadn't really changed my diet. And I was just like, what the heck, you know? And I was frustrated because I was like, I'm trying I'm eating right. I'm not eating sugar. I'm not eating carbs. Like, why am I putting on this weight? You know? And I know now knowing what I know that it was 2020, I quit working. I quit, you know, teaching 12 classes a week. Um, and I was indoors all the time. I was indoors in front of my computer, in front of my phone, um, all the time, not experiencing nature, none of that, because I didn't think it was important. And so last year I just kind of got this bug. I'm like, I have to figure out why I've gained this weight and I don't feel as good as I was feeling. And so that's when I stumbled on, um, first Dr. Courtney hunt, 
started working with her and then Dr. Jack Cruz, who Jack Cruz is her teacher. So that's, you know, anything that she's really saying, a lot of it comes from Dr. Cruz, even though she's a, she's a brilliant woman. Um, but that's when I started really getting interested in circadian biology and quantum physics. And, um, it's like one of those things. And it's funny, Dr. Rimka had told me <laughs> like three years ago, you need to start going outside for sunrise every day. And I was like, yeah, whatever. It's one of those things that it's like, you just think is too simple. <laughs> You're like, why would I do that? That's dumb. You know? So I didn't ever really do it. I was just like, I just, let me just do the diet. You know, <laughs> that's, that's good enough. I'll just do the diet. I mean, I did see a lot of improvements, but it only got me to a certain place before I didn't. Um, so that was what Dr. Hunt on our first appointment. She's like, I need you seeing sunrise every single day. And then she also tested my vitamin D, which was only a 33. And wow. she's like, yeah, she's like, that's not good. Um, you need to be a minimum of 60. And so I started and we had, we started working together April, May. So I was able to really just start exposing my skin to sun um, and start learning about how circadian biology works. And it was like this rabbit hole that I dove into last year. I got certified as a quantum health coach through quantum health TV, which is Jack Cruz's project. Um, and I'm doing, you know, circadian biology, learning all this stuff. And my, I saw myself just transform. I dropped like 30 pounds. I felt better. My sleep was just started to improve exponentially. Like everything just up leveled. And, uh, yeah, I feel like I took, you know, like 10 years off my life, um, you know, like reverse aged 10 years. And, uh, it was all because of the circadian biology and quantum physics, I really didn't change my diet that dramatically. Um, and I think that's been the hard thing for a lot of people to believe they're like, Oh, you must've, um, you know, cut your calories, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, I really did not drastically cut my calories or anything like that. It was just basically seeing sunrise every single day and getting sun exposure on my skin every day and spending as much time in nature as humanly possible. That really did it for me. Wow. That's so interesting. I think the the thing that I love the most about a carnivore diet is simplicity. It almost like trips people up in the beginning because they're, they're expecting complexity. Everything is complex. You got to buy yeah. the meal plans and you know, you have to sign up for the fitness course and do five days a week of boot camp or whatever it is, like the food list and all these things that people have to do to maximize their nutrition. And really on carnivore, it can be very simple, you know, especially when you're first getting started. But I do feel like there's a difference between, you know, the simplicity of it versus thriving or optimizing or getting the very most out of it. And so I do notice the longer somebody's on carnivore, they do tend to try to optimize and add other things into it. And the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was the diet, but you, you kind of already answered yeah. the question. Like you didn't really change much in the diet. It, um, no increase in organ meats or, um, anything like that. I did but with Dr. Hunt, what she wanted me to do. Now, this is very controversial, but she wanted me to start doing one refeed day a week. And I was like very <laughs> against it at first. And she's like, look, if you're going to work with me, this is what I do. This is what I have people do one day a week. I want you eating carbs, eating sugar. And I was like, oh my God, that's just completely insane. Um, but I was just dropping weight. And so I was like, and do, by doing that. And so I kept doing that. And by the end of the summer, I kind of decided like, I didn't want to do it her way because she kind of wants you to eat 
like processed stuff on that day. And I was at that point where I was losing weight and I was feeling better, but it was starting to impact my mind, like my mental health. And it was starting to impact, like my joints would feel not as good. And I mean, it it wasn't like dramatic, but when you start feeling optimized, you become very sensitive and you're like, "Mm, maybe not. And so I kind of started doing my own thing. I kept the refeed day but I just use regular like whole foods, like fruit, um, potatoes, things like that. And then I quit, completely quit doing refeeds in October because I decided I was going to move to more of like a circadian um, or quantum type of eating. Because, and that is carnivore because in the winter, there is nothing growing. Like and so, latitudinally where I live, you get meat, you get fat, like it, but in eggs, but there's not, um, vegetables growing. There's not fruit growing, definitely no fruit. Um, so it's ancestrally very inappropriate to be eating carbohydrates during the winter. So I cut the refeed stuff out completely, um, about October. Um, so that I did, that is the change that I made. So ever since October, I've been back to like carnivore again. Um, which is, you know, it feels great, but, um, yeah, so I did switch things up. I was like, fine. I, what I've been doing has not been working for me. So I will try this. And, uh, it, you know, like I said, it worked until I was like, mm, this is not working. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> so, no, that's really yeah. smart. I, I think it's cool that you followed, you know, the advice and did what, what that person was recommending, but then also changed it to be more of your style. What kind of whole foods did you add in on that refeed day that felt really good and safe for you? Um, potatoes, really white potatoes. Mm. I didn't do sweet potatoes because I know those are super high oxalate and I know there's, you know, probably some anti-nutrients in just regular potatoes too. But yeah, I would just take a regular potato, cut it up, um, into like fries, put a bunch of butter on top of it, put it in the air fryer and just make like homemade fries. I'd dip them in like sour cream. Um, if I was going to have fruit, I would have, um, berries or apples, things like that. Um, I didn't ever do honey just because I never like felt intuitively that that was a good thing for me just because I've always kind of had blood sugar issues. Like when I did eat the carbohydrates, I was eating them, outside in the sun in the middle of the day, because UVB light does deplete glycogen. And I would always go for a walk right afterwards, just to make sure that I didn't have a big blood sugar impact. And I, d- I mean, my blood sugar stayed fine through the whole thing and it was just the one day a week. Yeah. 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 But I never did do honey. Like a lot of people do the honey and I'm like, no, I just don't, I never really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's interesting. I, I was doing the exact same thing, um, you know, in the summer and kind of early fall when I would be out mm-hmm. on my walks, walking between clients or out on my morning walk, there would be a few trees in the neighborhood growing different fruits and they would all hit at different times. And so for one week it would be the peaches and for another week, somebody would have a pear tree on the other side of the neighborhood and that would be going and, you know, apples and whatever. And I'm, I'm just curious to know, like I would eat my fruit in the same way. Would you get yep. extremely hungry afterwards? Um, you know, I would always try to be strategic, like never do it like as a naked carb. Like I said, potatoes, I'll have sour cream with it. Right. Mm. If I would have like an apple, I would try to have like a little bit of butter or I would try to do some fat with the carb. I would never eat the carb just by itself because I know just from all the research I've done that that will mess with your blood sugar. And if you eat some fat with the carbohydrate, 
or after the carbohydrate, then you're going to have less of a blood sugar impact. And so I never did just eat like an apple by itself. It was like some apple with like a little bit of butter, you know? Yeah, that was absolutely my mistake. I know that intellectually, but as you're out on a walk and an apple looks really good. Oh yeah, it looks great. Yeah, it looks it's really nice good. and hot. Yeah, why not? But I, I just, I, yeah, I just found that that um, the more I did it, the less I was willing to have that blood sugar roller coaster mm-hmm. start back up again. I, I, I so appreciate that about a carnivore diet. I never get that, you know, up and down yeah. and up and down and hunger anymore. So I'll have to be more strategic about that next year when it comes around. And that seasonality I think is so critical. People yes. don't even realize when you can go, you know, to the store 365 days out of the year and buy an apple, you forget that, you know, yeah. they're not seasonal and you don't have any clue when or where that apple came from. Exactly. Yeah. There's a farm that delivers to my house, which is freaking awesome. And this week they have apples. I'm like, Hmm, not quite ready. (laughs) I'm, I'm waiting until like spring solstice, um, which is like the 22nd of March. If I'm going to do any kind of adding any carbs or anything back in this year, I really want to do it like seasonally and, you know, make sure I'm doing it the right way rather than just being like, oh, they have them now I can do them just because sometimes things can grow in your latitude, but they're not like ancestrally supposed to be growing at that time. You know, they've used a greenhouse or (laughs) there's ways they've gotten those things to grow and they shouldn't actually be growing at that time. Yeah, totally. Um, so you got to be cautious, but I'm very much now, uh, wanting to, understand the rhythms of nature and eat with those rhythms of nature. You know, food is light code, food captures light code. So if you're eating a pineapple in February, (laughs) you're really confusing your body. You know, if you're just eating a steak in February, your body's like, cool, I know what to do with this. Um, but if you're eating, like, that's my, been my big thing with a lot of people saying they're, you know, the fruits necessary and we have to have it. And it's like, no, we, we just have this, um, thing where we can, like you said, we can go to the grocery store and get things all the time, 365 days a year, you can get bananas, but we shouldn't be eating bananas 365 days a year. Hell no, that's, they're not supposed, they don't grow in December. Um, it's in our, like I said, our food captures light code. So I feel like people can be a bit misguided when they do talk about adding carbs back in. I think there's, there's a time and a place for it. And then I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's something that everyone should do or needs to do. Cause some people, they just cannot have those foods in their diet because it's going to cause them to binge and then they just lose control. So I think that needs to be talked about as well. Yeah. That's such a good point. And keep in mind, we're talking about, you know, fruits, like even though they've been selected for maximal sweetness and size and yeah, we shouldn't be consuming them all the time. This doesn't say anything about the line that wraps around the building from the soda store where you can go buy a bucket of soda, you know, year round and in the middle of the afternoon for a few bucks and, and, you know, have a sugar cookie to chase it down. Like, you know, (laughs) we're, we're talking about like fruits and vegetables, things that actually grow. It's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably get some hate (laughs) for saying all this stuff, but you know, I don't think that you have to buy into a specific dogma, um, to be healthy. I, I love carnivore. I think it's amazing. It's an amazing tool. And like I said, I've been doing it since, you know, everything quit growing and quit blooming. So of course I need to be eating that way. But, um, I really feel strongly that 
Uh, you should try to eat in your latitude. You should try to eat with what's growing around you. If you do want to eat things other than meat and fat and eggs that you should do it appropriately. Yeah, totally agree. I think that's a great point. I love that you called it a tool. I couldn't agree more. I think for some people, it, it's a tool they'll use for the rest of their life and they need to be very yeah. strict with it. And for other people, maybe it's just a reset. Maybe it's temporary. But I, I agree with you 100% that people should eat as, as regionally appropriate as possible. Um, we can't talk about circadian rhythm without talking about light, obviously. The recent episode that you did with Dr. Montgomery like I'm on my second time listening to it. It just is oh, cool. blowing my mind. <laughs> I love, 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 love talking about sunshine, the importance of sunlight, yes. the importance of, you know, getting your eyes exposed to sunshine. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've learned as far as the importance of sunshine? Yeah. I mean, my mind has really been blown <laughs> over and over and over again. Uh, just in, you know, like talking to Dr. Cruz, talking to Dr. Montgomery. And I've had so many people on my show now that are experts in quantum physics and circadian biology, and I have more coming up. Um, but, you know, what I didn't really understand about our bodies is that they run on a circadian clock. So from the moment that we wake up, our body is searching for a strong signal. Our body is searching for a light signal to say, what time is it? And what hormones should I produce? What hormone should I turn on? And so if you're grabbing your phone and looking at your phone, first thing, your phone, your body is going to say, oh shit, it's noon. Um, we got to make a ton of cortisol, <laughs> you know, like we better get going. Let's make a bunch of cortisol. Go, go, go. If you, what I do is I, now I put on my blue blockers and walk outside. So the first light that I see in case there's any lights on in the house, the first light that I see is the sunrise. And I've been doing that strictly since I started working with Dr. Hunt. It's almost a year now. Um, once you start doing that, <laughs> I can't explain it, but you just get addicted to it. Like I posted in my stories the other day, um, never miss a sunrise and somebody wrote back. Yeah. Once you start, you can't stop. Once you go sunrise, you don't go back. <laughs> um, because it's a, just a natural way for your body to get the signal. It's a strong signal. You get that through the eye, which is then it goes to the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is in the hypothalamus, which tells your body, okay, let's turn off melatonin. So turn off the pineal gland in a gradual, gentle way and turn on the endocrine system. So let's start making cortisol in a gradual way, you know, not this big boom cortisol. I looked at my phone, boom, dopamine. I looked at my phone and jacked at my hormones, right? Then when you see that first bit of UVA light, that's when your body starts making serotonin, melatonin, dopamine, tryptophan, tyrosine, turns on all your thyroid hormones, pregnenolone, the sex hormones. That is what tells your body to start creating those hormones. So all of the hormonal issues people are having, all of the cortisol issues people are having, I think a lot of that could be helped by simply just seeing sunrise and seeing some UVA light every single day with no sunglasses um, naked eyes, just go out in the sun. And if you can do a barefoot, even more awesome, even but better. yeah, I mean, cause then you get the benefits of grounding, but, um, you know, it's so funny. I've been getting, I get so much pushback when I talk about this stuff. Oh, that's too hard. I can't do that. Like, is it really that hard with it's your health? You know, that's the point that I got to is like, well, I thought it was stupid. I thought it was going to be inconvenient, but it ended up being the biggest, you know, you know, catalyst for me to change my health was mm -hmm. my, my light signaling. 
Um, and then wearing the blue blockers at appropriate times. So right now I'm sitting in my office with the window open. I have Iris software running on my computer. Um, so to block my eyes from the blue light and the flicker of the screen. And, um, I usually keep the lights out in the house cause we have a lot of windows, but if there's a light on, or if I have to be in front of my phone, I'll wear my yellow lenses. And then after sunset, I put on my red lenses because, if we continue to blast our bodies with unnatural light signals in our eyes, then we're not going to create melatonin. So the sleep is such a big issue for people. Number one, they're not getting that signal of the UVA light to tell their body to start making melatonin. And then after sunset, they're still watching TV and on their phones and wondering why they can't sleep because you're not allowing your body to start turning on that pineal gland and start letting the endocrine system slowly wind down. Mm. Yeah. The phone thing is such a double whammy. You, you mentioned yeah. you know, opening the phone first thing in the morning. I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time my phone told me, Hey, everything's cool in the world. Everything's totally <laughs> fine. Nothing to see here. <laughs> yep. Such a double dose of cortisol. And it's, it's also interesting. I was asked about this on a podcast that I appeared on recently, and I was kind of talking about our lifestyle and getting out for walks every single morning. We see the sunrise every single morning. This morning, we got to do it together, which is always great um, to see the sunrise with your significant other. And we walk around and, you know, we have more time and we put these things in our lifestyle for a reason. And I remember the podcast host kind of said like, oh, well, you're, you're just so lucky to be able to do those things. <laughs> and I agreed at first. And I said, yeah, you know, I have to realize that, you know, I'm very grateful for our lifestyle and I am really lucky to be able to do this. And the more I thought about it, the more I wish I would have answered differently and would have said, you know what? I make a lot of sacrifices in my life to yes. be able to do these things. I prioritize these things. I don't have a sick car and the best house and I'm not making millions of dollars in a big corporate job, but I'm prioritizing, yep. you know, seeing the sunrise, listening to the ducks and the other birds in the neighborhood, which I get to hear on your podcast all the time. I love that you record with your windows open. <laughs> I love that part, but, but it is a trade-off. There is a sacrifice there and I am willing to go through that sacrifice and go to bed, you know, at seven thirty eight PM when it gets dark so I can get good mm -hmm. sleep and get out in the morning to, to put these things in my life. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny because people are like, oh, that's just inconvenient. No one has time for that. I'm like, well, maybe they should start to make time. Just like we're making all this fuss about food, which I think is extremely important. Absolutely important that you eat, you know, meat, you eat eggs, you eat butter, you get these essential nutrients, these building blocks for your body and your brain. But if your light signaling is all screwed up, all that stuff is only going to do you so good. And 2020 was my wake up call of like, I am eating all of the things that I'm supposed to be eating, but I'm never outside. I haven't seen a sunrise in years. Like that stuff was not important to me. I never go outside. I never go hiking. I never do, I, you know, I wasn't doing any of those things. And when I started to make those things a priority, I had such a dramatic change in my health that I was like, how can I not number one, dive into this, learn about it and start helping other people do it, but talk about it, talk about it on my YouTube, talk about it on my podcast, everywhere that I can, because this is free. This is free. And you don't have to go buy a bunch of fancy devices or anything like that. I have some, you know, fun devices that I use, but you don't need those things. Like there's red light present in the sun all day from sunrise to sunset. So if you want free red light therapy, go outside, take your clothes off, <laughs> get yep. in the sun, you yep. know? Yep. 
Couldn't agree yeah. more. Couldn't agree more. A threshold here in Salt Lake City is about 33 degrees. If it's 33 degrees and above, we are outside with our uh, as much skin as possible exposed to the sun. Um, it's such a, a, a difference maker. I can't tell you the yes. difference. Um, okay, this part really sucks for me because I love sunglasses and I own way too many pairs of sunglasses <laughs> that are sitting in a drawer that I absolutely never use to the extent that we went on a trip to Mexico for 10 days last year in late May. And if I had, a, I, I don't even remember if I took the pair with me, I, I never used them. Um, what is the importance of getting your eyes exposed to the sun and used to brighter lights? Yeah. I mean, like I said, the suprachiasmatic nucleus is located in the hypothalamus and that is turned on through the eye. So if you're covering up your eyes through sunglasses, your eyes are not getting that signal to do several vital things, turn on several vital hormones in your body and then precondition your skin for the sun. So you're going to be much more likely to get damaged from the sun, to get burned from the sun if you're wearing sunglasses, because if you think about it, it's like your eyes are what's giving your body the signal to absorb vitamin D, to absorb the sunlight and to not burn. <laughs> so if you're covering your eyes with sunglasses, you're not going to get those same hormonal signals. We have like 90% of our melanopsin receptors are in the eyes and 10% is the skin. So yeah, <laughs> if you're covering your eyes, you're not going to be getting this, the signal to create those hormones to, you know, precondition your skin. So you, again, don't get burned. You can absorb vitamin D, all of those things. So, mm. I mean, I'm a, I love sunglasses. I was always hiding behind a big pair of sunglasses my whole life. <laughs> and my, my eyes are like super light. Like they're like almost a gray color. And so I, my eyes were very sensitive. Like I couldn't drive without my sunglasses. So it was a big adjustment to me three years ago. Cause I did listen to Dr. Rimka three years ago. She's like, get rid of your sunglasses. And I kind of didn't understand why, but I was just like, fine, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> but they look so cool. And actually going carnivore actually helped me with that sun sensitivity, believe it or not. After I went carnivore for like about 60 days after that, I realized I'm like, I don't even need my sunglasses. Weird. Yeah. Um, my eyes are not hurting when I'm outside. Yep. So that did help a bit, um, going carnivore with my eye sensitivity, but yeah, that's a big thing people are missing is you're blocking a very important signal. Um, the body isn't just like this simple thing. It's a, it's a beautiful symphonic hormonal process. And when we do things like sunglasses, we're blocking that process. Yeah. That's amazing. One of our former guests, Nadine Artemis, um, she owns living libations. She talked about heliotherapy that they would do in the mountains. I want to say in like Switzerland in the 1920s, especially for like bone issues, obviously mm -hmm. sunshine and vitamin D is so important for correcting bone deficiencies. And, and she mentioned that the therapy would not work if people were using sunglasses, they had to have their ah. eyes exposed or the, the treatments wouldn't work. Um, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Mm. I mean, I, I never really understood it until I got into Dr. Cruz's work, honestly. Yeah. Interesting. The other thing I noticed, you mentioned the eyes and being more used to, you know, the sun when you're on a carnivore diet. I, for me personally, I know that I tan way better. Oh, I yes. already have my minimal sandal tan line on my feet, like the top of my feet where I used to horribly burn if they were ever exposed. And even this early in the year, I've already got a deep tan all through my legs and my face and my arms. It's, it's really amazing how much easier it is to tan without burning. 
I'm the same way. Yeah. And I think, um, eating salmon roe and eating your, getting your DHA is part of that. The astaxanthin. I can't, I can never pronounce that word. (laughs) (laughs) Astaxanthin, I think it's how you pronounce it. That is what allows your body to, um, build up more of a tolerance to the sun as well and, and absorb more vitamin D. But yeah, I mean, you've seen, you can see my picture here on zoom. Like I'm pretty, I'm not like someone that you would think would get very tan, but I last summer got super tan. I did not burn once. And, uh, I think the diet definitely has plays a big part in that as well, but also building up that solar callus. So I think using the D minder app is crucial for people when they just want to start to build up that solar callus. You don't want to just go out in the sun in the middle of the day. If you haven't been used to doing it one and two, if you haven't seen sunrise and UVA to precondition your skin, not a good idea to just boom, go out at 11 o'clock in the morning yeah, <laughs> or totally. 12 o'clock, you know? Yeah. Totally. We love D minder. What an amazing app that is. Yes. Last, last year, last spring, I was writing articles for a golf magazine, a local golf magazine, and I could write about whatever topic I liked. And so I thought, okay, this is early spring. What a great time. Why don't we talk about sunshine? Why don't we talk about starting early in the year where the sun is low on the horizon? I think the article was titled something like, you know, uh, getting used to the sun or, or something like that, having good interactions with the sun. And we talked about things to get started. Like don't go out in the middle of summer, you know, at noon at solar noon, if your skin is not conditioned for this, maybe leverage other things like shade or wear a big hat. Like don't necessarily use tons and tons of sunscreen. And, and yeah, the whole article was like, this is just, just be smart about your sun exposure. It wasn't called like, you know, be an asshole about your sun exposure. And they (laughs) they rejected it. They didn't print it. And they said, because I wasn't promoting sunscreen use, they couldn't print Mm -hmm. the article. So can you tell for the listener, like some along those lines of what you were just mentioning, what are some ways that somebody could get started? Um, besides just getting out in, into the sunrise, which I think is amazing. What other tools and techniques can somebody start with to get used to the sun? Yeah. I mean, start now it's Feb it's March 1st here. And so starting early in the spring and definitely getting out there for sunrise and UVA making that a habit. And then just slow, you know, like you said, the sun is lower on the horizon right now. The UVI I think is like a six here. Um, it'll get up to the teens this summer. It'll get, you know, real high up there and you can get burned real easily. But while the UVI is low this way, you can start gradually exposing your sun, your skin to the sun. You can use the Deminder app to put in your Fitzpatrick skin type and say, all right, this is my skin type. Um, how long do I, it'll, it'll tell you turn over, go inside. You're about to burn, get out of the sun. Like it'll warn you. Um, and I, I just used that app last summer. I used that app last spring to build up that solar callus. And so uh, I think that's the easiest way to do it is just use the app, put in your skin type and start early in the year. Don't wait until like June (laughs) to start building up that solar callus. You want to start early. You want to start in March, April, you know, get it in, in the spring. Um, because it's going to be a lot safer. It's going to be a lot easier on your skin. If you, if the UV, the UVI is lower, yeah, you know, that's right. I think starting early is so important, but even if you're listening to this and it's, you know, June, late June, you can still build up a tolerance. You just have to do it much, much earlier in the day. Yeah. Much earlier in the day. Yeah. yeah. You use the Deminder app again. It'll tell you, stay out for 10 minutes. You're done and listen to it. Don't be like, Oh, I could stay out for 30 minutes. No, don't. 
(laughs) Don't try to push it. Let it, let it happen gradually. Yep. Um, And it it will work. Absolutely. It's such an amazing tool. It knows exactly where you are latitude wise on the planet. It can, you know, adjust for how much clothes you're wearing or not wearing. It's, it's really awesome. We've loved using that um, over the years. Um, Tell us a little bit about uh, infrared saunas. If somebody maybe doesn't have as much access to the sun, could they leverage uh, an infrared sauna to get that, that light and kind of heat therapy? Well, I actually use just like a red light device. I did use an infrared sauna this summer, um, this past summer, just because I love heat. (laughs) I love sweating and it just felt amazing. So I would just use the infrared sauna, but, um, yeah, I mean, I have a red light device. I use the EMR tech. I love that one because I know the owner, he's really interesting to talk to as well. And, um, I use that anytime the sun is up and there are just so many mitochondrial benefits to a red light device. And like I said, there's red light available in the sun, in the sky all day naturally. So you can use it if you want to outside, <laughs> you just go outside. Um, but using a red light device is another really powerful tool. And there's so much science now coming out on the power of red light. Um, it's, I use, um, I use it on my face to boost collagen production. Uh, there's tons of science about how it boosts collagen production. My husband actually uses it on his hair and he's actually seen his hair get thicker. Wow. So it can be used to, yeah, he's, that, that's when I told him, I'm like, you got to try this thing because the owner, that's why he started the company was because he was starting to lose his hair at a young age. And so that's why he actually invented the device. And now if you meet Chris, he's got a thick, full head of hair. My husband was, you know, I think a lot of men are just like, I don't want to lose my hair as I get older. His dad's bald. And so my husband's always been conscious about that. So he uses the red light five days a week. His hair is noticeably thicker. I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah. He's, you know, we're both, I'm 42 and he's actually about to turn 42. I'm nine months older, the, Mm. the, the older one in the relationship, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, it's pretty cool. So I, you know, you can use it for mitochondrial benefits. It can actually help to speed up your metabolism. I mean, fertility, there's a study that was done, um, over in Europe where women had had two or more failed IVF rounds. And then they used the red light on their abdomen for 60 days. And I think it was like 60% of the participants had a natural pregnancy following that red light therapy without any interventions. That's incredible. Yeah. There's, I mean, I could talk about red light all day. I'm like a little obsessed right now. Oh, I love <laughs> but, it. Um, yeah. But like I, people will say, I can't afford a device. Well, just go outside. It's <laughs> you free. It's you free. get free infrared all day. <laughs> do you, you do you know um, off the top of your head in that study, did, do you know if they used a device or, or did they just get outside? Yeah. No, they use devices. Device. All wow. the studies have, yeah, they just did a study on, um, gut microbiome diversity and how using a red light on your gut helps to increase microbiome diversity, which is huge. So I think you can use that instead of probiotics, you know, that's That's, what I'm doing right now. That's amazing. Yeah. That's absolutely incredible. It's, it's funny. You said, you mentioned you love the heat and you love sweating. If somebody is following you on Instagram, they might think you are absolutely lying about that because oftentimes (laughs) we see you in a cold plunge. Tell us a little bit about cold plunging. Yeah. So I started cold plunging this winter because it's ancestrally appropriate to be exposed to cold. And a lot of people are like, well, our ancestors didn't do ice bathing. I'm like, yeah, but they did not have homes with heat. They didn't have cars with heat. They didn't have all the modern conveniences we had. They had to be cold. 
And if you're a Northern latitude haplotype, so I'm an H2, which means I'm, you know, North of the equator. My ancestors are like, you know, Northern European Nordic. What happens when you expose your body to cold is actually, um, this, your mitochondria produces a ton of infrared light inside the body. And it actually reverse ages your cells. I mean, it's really remarkable what cold therapy can do. If you're looking to heal, um, if you're looking to reverse age, if you're looking to speed up your metabolism. So I, I became very obsessed with cold therapy, um, this past year and started doing it for, for the month of, I think it was October. I did it like, no, it was November. I did it every single day and it was a little too stressful. My cycle came like five days late and I was like, oops, too much. Mm. Um, so at the month of December, I did it three days a week. And then my cycle was like, perfect. My body was happy, perfect, everything. Um, so for me, three days a week is good. Um, and then the water is usually about 35 degrees and I go outside and just jump right in for, you know, usually about, excuse me, usually about five minutes is, is good. Okay. And, um, yeah, there's so many metabolic benefits, uh, reverse aging benefits. Yeah. I I'm, I'm obsessed and you feel amazing. Like your dopamine like triples. <laughs> wow. So that's it. Mental health, man, if, if carnivore is not doing it for you, if you feel like you're still struggling with mental health, get in some ice for real. Mm. I just finished a book called wintering by Catherine may. And she, she talks specifically about getting in the water in the middle of winter, cold water. And she, yes. she had somebody that she met that was bipolar and it was the one thing, like everything she tried mm-hmm. wouldn't work. And she could manage her symptoms perfectly as long as she was doing cold exposure. Yep. Yep. Wow. I hear that a lot actually. And that Wim Hof actually talks about that a lot. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So how practically, how are you doing it? It looks like you've got a barrel. Is that right? I have a portable bathtub from Amazon and I just go to the grocery store and get a ton of ice. They're always like, what the hell are you having a cocktail party? I'm like, (laughs) nope, I'm about to get in this. Um, (laughs) The people at my grocery store do think I'm insane. Um, But as long as it's cold out here, I don't have to fill the ice as much. Now the weather's warmer, so it's not, I mean, I have to buy a lot more ice, but as we get towards spring, I'll start doing it less. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be doing a ton of cold therapy during the summer. I'm going to be going back to sauna and heat and, and letting my body acclimate in that way. Mm. Um, so I think there's an ancestral like time for you to do cold therapy and for you to do heat and sauna. I think that, that we have to honor those things as well. Yeah. I mean, this conversation just keeps coming back to that, just falling in line with, you know, where you are, what, you know, how you've personally evolved, you know, in what parts of the world and living in that way. I think that's so important. You mentioned the metabolic effect. Um, isn't there an activation of brown fat that happens when you expose yourself to cold where, where the, the, the brown fat, especially up in the upper cavity of the chest and the neck, I believe just starts to uh, like burn energy for no other reason than to produce a ton of heat. Exactly. And, you know, on my aura ring, my body temperature, like my aura ring was like, you're something's wrong with you because my body temperature literally went up by an entire degree. Um, so there's thyroid benefits. If you have thyroid issues, I think cold can be one of the most amazing things you do for your thyroid, but you always, when you do a cold plunge, want to make sure that you're getting your collarbone because that's where the brown adipose tissue lives and the back of your neck as well that, you know, the, at the base of your, the base of your neck, Gotcha. those um, two places are the the biggest place and your hands as well, hands and feet. 
Mm. Hands can be painful though. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I take my hands out of the water sometimes because it, it hurts. It <laughs> really like does hurt. Needles. Yeah. It feels like someone's stabbing your hands. So I'll try to do like 30 seconds in with my hands and then take them out, which some people are like, don't do that. But I'm like, dude, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting all the benefits. Like my body is in 35 degree ice water right now. So if I want to take my hands out for a second, it's okay. <laughs> totally. Can somebody <laughs> replicate this by doing a cold shower? No, um, cold showers are good, but there's something about full body cold immersion and, and doing that is way, way, way more powerful. Um, I think that cold showers are great, but they're just not as powerful as full body cold immersion because you're not able to immerse everything at once and get that turnover of, uh, the brown fat. It, it doesn't work as quickly. Gotcha. Interesting. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. We can't talk about circadian rhythm without hammering a little bit more sleep. Um, you've already mentioned the blue light blocking glasses. Can you tell us why it's so important to block blue light later on in the evening? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, there's a lot of things you don't want to eat after sunrise or after sunset. You want to block blue light after sunset because again, the, your body is looking for a signal through the eyes of light, of what time is it? What do I need to be doing right now? And when the sun sets, which I try to go outside for sunset as well, your body is like, okay, we need to start lower, you know, turning down that cortisol, lower the cortisol naturally, and start to turn on melatonin so we can get that nice sleep, restorative sleep. Melatonin is a repair hormone. It's a very powerful antioxidant. And if you are looking at your phone, if you're looking at the TV, if you're walking around with your house full of LEDs, blasting your skin and your eyes of those unnatural light signals, your body is still making cortisol, lots of cortisol, and it hasn't turned on that melatonin just yet. Um, eating is also going to be another way that you're going to block that process. You're going to block that hormonal process from happening. So that's one thing I'm very strict about is like no eating after sunset. And my house looks like a freaking red light district, Amsterdam. <laughs> it's crazy. My family's just used to it at this point. They're like, okay, mom is like just a weirdo. It's we're going to deal with it. It's fine. Um, but I have the EMR tech red light. I have a small one in the kitchen. So that comes on and all the other lights go off. If we do have any lights on, they're incandescent. They don't flicker. I've tested them to make sure they don't flicker. Um, and I try to turn those off when I can. And my blue blockers go on. And then we also have a, a screen over the TV. Um, I do turn off all the electronics and everything by eight o'clock, but sometimes we do want to watch TV. So my friend, his name's Phil Welch. Um, he has a Instagram handle is like light trumps food. And he has, he makes these screen covers. So it's like a red screen on top of my TV, which my husband was like not happy about at first. <laughs> But now it's just like background noise. It's like, whatever, cool, fine. <laughs> if it makes her happy, we'll do that. So funny. yeah, it's my, the inside of my house is like red at night. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I, I remember you in a recent episode talking about like you walking around with your EMF meter and your, your yep. family just thinking you're from Ghostbusters or whatever. And they're just yeah, like, yeah, husband, like so used to it. When I first got my EMF meter, my husband's like, great. Now you're a Ghostbuster. Okay. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's funny. No, I remember 
this one's kind of tough because you're you're right on the one hand, like we, we really want to not have a lot of screens at night, but I do think there's something about the storytelling aspect coming together and, and watching storytelling of some kind, you know, in the evening. It seems like kind of a campfire type thing where yes, we would have had red light exposure. We would not have had a lot of blue light exposure, but there would be like a storytelling component. And so I think for, for most people, for the recommendations that I make, turning off the TV at a certain hour is probably one of the most difficult things that people can do. Um, you know, as long as Shit's Creek is still amazing <laughs> and there's other things to, to binge, <laughs> like it's going to be really tough to turn off the screen, but you're right. There are those hacks and things that you can do. I think that screen idea over the TV itself is such a great idea that allows better interaction with the TV and you get the storytelling component with safe light exposure. Yeah, I think so. I think those screens are amazing um, because a lot of people are not going to be willing to give up their TV. They don't want to give up sports and, and all those things. So I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to do it, and I, I'm, I'm wearing my blue blockers and have the screen on the TV. Mm. So it's like double protection. Um, and I do notice a, a huge difference in my sleep. And I still do occasionally watch TV. I just finished watching 1883, which is like <sighs> the most amazing show. So good. It's amazing. Um, if you're looking for one. Did you, have you watched it? I haven't yet. I've got a client that watches it all the time and he, he tries not to spoil it, but he, yeah, he's making me really want to watch it for sure. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. So, I mean, I still, I still have shows that I, I like to watch. Um, you know, I'm not perfect, but just protect your eyes when you're doing that. And I cover up as much skin as humanly possible when I'm inside under any artificial lights at all. So it's like the opposite when I'm outside, I'm as like naked as possible. When I'm inside, I try to keep everything as covered as possible. Yeah. I love that. And you guys made such a good point of that in your interview with Dr. Montgomery. It's not just that we need to get the natural light. It's the incredible amount of harm that unnatural light provides. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Another thing. Yeah. I think that's the one thing people don't understand is because we just are so used to it. It's so normal, you know? Yeah. Normal, not being average. Those are two totally different things. Right. Yeah. I remember Nadine Artemis telling us about a study where they looked at um, skin cancer and the worst kinds of skin cancers were happening with people that were more working in office buildings. And it was happening in places where the sun wasn't shining. So it clearly wasn't something Mm -hmm. from the sun, which again, would make no sense anyway, if we've evolved from the sun to begin with. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Are there any other, um, you know, lifestyle components that you have focused on more in this last year that you also attribute your, um, optimization to? I try to work out outdoors and I'm, I'm lucky that I live in Atlanta so I can do this. You know, it's, it's not, it doesn't, we don't get these harsh winters. It really doesn't snow here. So when I, when I work out, I drag all my weights outside. Um, and I don't go to a gym anymore. That's one thing I used to do is go to the gym. I don't go to the gym anymore. I literally just have free weights starting at like five pounds, going all the way up to 50 pounds. Um, I have a bench and, I do and kettlebells and I do everything outside barefoot in the sun as much as possible. I try to avoid going to the gym now. 
so much better. So much better than going inside, yeah. getting blasted by all those artificial lights, all the mirrors everywhere, TVs yes. on with the worst things happening yeah. around the world. So much better to be. Yeah, the outside. news, Ugh. all that stuff. I don't want to. Yeah, I just want to hear the birds and be outside. I love that. <laughs> the more times I can yeah. remind myself that, that just go outside. The birds don't give a shit what's going on. They're always happy and singing like you can you can chill out. You don't need to pay attention to the news cycle yeah. nearly as much. What style of workouts are you doing these days? Is it more kind of a slow strength? Are you doing more dynamic? work? Um, a little bit more like high intensity. So I'll just do 30 minutes at a time, like kettlebell swings, lunges. Um, I have a trainer that there's this app called the future app, which is, is really cool. I've gotten to work with that brand a little bit. And so I have a trainer that I got to choose, um, through the app and she just designs my workouts for me. I've shown her all my equipment. We do like a FaceTime. I'm like, this is what I have. And we do like a FaceTime check-in once a month. And, um, she just kind of works with me with what I need. And she's awesome. She's like ex-military, but has three kids. And, um, so she's just, she's really cool. And she listens to my podcast and <laughs> she's always like, Oh my God, I love that last episode. So we've kind of got this, uh, cool friendship now that's been built. And that's basically how I do my workouts now. Yeah. That's so amazing. What a cool relationship. Did, did, yeah. did you, did you fully appreciate in the beginning, the importance of like periodization and making sure that your workouts are changing frequently? I did. I mean, the thing about me is I've been able to work in gyms for the last like 12 years, really. So I've, I've had a ton of different trainers. One of my trainers was like worked directly under Charles Poliquin, um, wow. which was really cool. Yeah. I, I worked with him for a couple of years, but it just got to be so freaking expensive. So I've had some really amazing trainers and I've learned a lot from each one that I've had. So I definitely understand the need for you know, loading, deloading, changing things up and, and making things different for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. And as the carnivore yogi, you are still offering yoga classes online. Is that correct? I am just on Saturdays at noon Eastern time. Awesome. And anybody around the world can sign up for that. And it is more yep. of a, of a chill yoga style. Yeah. Super chill. I have, I'm not into the athletic yoga anymore so much. It just isn't I'd rather work out hard and get a good sweat that way. And then use my yoga to do more of like connecting with the body gotcha. and breath. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm going to have to send you the video. I'm not sure if you've seen this. It's a few years old now, but it's, it's, if Gandhi would do a yoga class today, oh, like how ridiculous. Yeah. I think I've seen that one. Yeah. He's like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> he, made, he made his own clothes and she was like, no, you have to go to Lululemon. Like silly. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like, I'm so disenchanted with yoga community. It's like, I've considered even changing my handle so many times Interesting, because I'm just like, you know, it's like, a, it's just a small part of me. It used to be such a huge part of me, but now it's become just like a very minor part of my life, the yoga part. Mm. Um, so it's still important, but it's not like my whole identity anymore. Sure. No, it's, it's amazing. It's something that's so helpful that can be really, truly amazing and life-changing for so many people, but can be taken a little bit too far and out of context for what the practice yeah. was originally designed for and the body types that it was originally designed around. I see people pushing poses that they probably shouldn't be driving oh, to yeah. the extreme that they are. Um, interesting. This has been such an amazing conversation. I knew this was going to be fun and interesting, and it certainly exceeded my expectations, which were high already. If you had one simple tip that you would like uh, the listener to take from this conversation that explored a wide variety of topics, what would that one tip be? Get in rhythm, you know, get in rhythm with the light. I think that's the most important thing you can do for your health. Um, because like I said, food is light code. 
And if you start to allow your body to be in rhythm with light, I think you're going to, it's a huge health upgrade right away. That's amazing. That's such good advice. If somebody wanted to get in rhythm and work with you, um, where should they go to find you and connect with you and your work? Um, you could just send me a message over on Instagram. That's usually the, the easiest way. Um, it's at carnivore.yogi over on Instagram. And um, yeah, you send me a message over there. There's a button. I think you can email me from there as well. That's great. And you always have some kind of program or offering pretty much year round, just depending on the time of year, correct? Yeah, I have a private membership group right now um, that I just, I go live every Friday and answer questions all the time and try to post free content and a lot of stuff in the group just for my members. So that is something that's always going on, even if I'm not doing like a, a group coaching event. That's amazing. We will make sure to link to that in the show notes. Sarah Kleiner, the carnivore yogi, like I said, always a pleasure to talk to you. We always learn something new. Thank you so much for appearing on our show and going out and learning so much more. You know, the carnivore diet, again, can be so simple and so life-changing, but all of these other things are adjuncts that can add so much richness and happiness to your life. And it's important to talk about all of them and know that all of them have a role. And to the extent that people can, you know, access some of these things, they really should be doing that, especially if it's like sunlight when it's free, it's right outside. <laughs> Go outside exactly. and get it. Yeah, that's great. So thank you so very much for you and your work and for taking time to appear on our show today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's always an honor. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. As always, thank you so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio. It's really inspiring and amazing to see some of the reviews that we have been getting and also to receive so many messages and emails about how these episodes have improved our listeners' lives. And so thank you so very much. We are so happy to bring these episodes to you and provide them for free. And we really hope that they help you in your life. Uh, we have just passed two major milestones, which is absolutely mind-blowing to me. And basically, we did both of these in pretty much the exact same day. We have just passed 100,000 downloads worldwide of Boundless Body Radio, and we have just launched our 250th episode, which is absolutely amazing. Like I said, I never imagined we could reach that many people. We always want to keep you updated on things that we're doing on our website. So if you go to myboundlessbody.com, you can always see what we're up to. This month, we have a link that you can go and schedule a functional movement screen, which we do virtually over Zoom. A functional movement screen is a series of seven different movements and three different clearing tests, which is designed to find weak links in the body, such as muscle imbalances and joint stability issues. It's a really great tool for discovering inefficient movement. And even if you're not experiencing pain in certain areas of your body, it's something that can prevent injury later on. Some muscles need to be stretched, some need to be strengthened, and we can help you create a plan around that so that you can stay healthy and continue to move well for the rest of your life. So again, you can go and schedule that at myboundlessbody.com. You will also see the other services that we offer. You can always schedule a complimentary 30-minute consultation with us to really chat about anything that you like. And remember, if you are enjoying Boundless Body Radio, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on Apple. It really helps get this passion project out to other people. And thank you again for tuning into Boundless Body Radio.